This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by the Top Producer Summit, coming up February 14th through 16th in Nashville. Learn more at tpsummit.com and stand by for a way to save 25% on your registration. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. We begin 2022 with several interviews with information you need to know. We'll cover everything from how to save big money on truck purchases to surprising trends in a hot land market to new products available in 2022 and more. We'll make four different stops in this edition of the show, but I think there will be something of interest to everyone, no matter your connection to agriculture. Those are our topics for this week's Farming the Countryside, and it's brought to you by the Top Producer Summit. Many of you are familiar with the Top Producer Summit. Perhaps you've attended or thought of attending. Now there are two great ways to participate. The upcoming Top Producer Summit will be held in Nashville, Tennessee, February 14th through 16th. This is the summit's 25th year, and there are always plenty of great and informative sessions, interesting speakers, opportunities to meet and learn from others from the farm and the ag industry. Plus, the in-person event includes a night out in Nashville with great music, plus the Top Producer Award Banquet, and much more. If you can't get to Nashville, join us online the following week, February 22nd and 23rd, for more exclusive content. Hopefully that's all of interest, but here's something else that is very important. You can take 25% off your registration with the code FARMING at tpsummit.com. Again, take 25% off your registration by using the code FARMING. Just go to tpsummit.com to register and learn more about this year's summit. It's always a great event, and I hope you'll join in person or online, and be sure to get that code entered for a great deal as well. We're making several stops this week to cover different topics of information I think are important in 2022. We begin with a discussion of land prices, which, of course, have made headlines many times over the past year with some record sales. So exactly where do we sit and how far upward might we be going? What is the mix of farmer buyers versus investors? Matt Gunderson is Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Farmers National Company, and we covered those topics and more. Matt, for those that aren't familiar with Farmers National, why don't you begin by just telling them about what you do because you certainly manage a lot of uh, ground out there. Sure, we do. So uh, we manage uh, 5,000 farms and ranches totaling about 2 million acres. Uh, We also are one of the largest uh, agricultural real estate firms in the country. We just broke our all-time sales record and sold $765 million for the farm ground uh, as of September 30th of this year. I'm sure, of course, you're going to tell me, hey, values are higher than they were a year ago. But within that, What nuances would you pull out of that and say, wow, this has surprised me, this has been higher than we expected? In this this rising trend, what is surprising you? You know, probably, I'll I'll call it the resilience of the trend, right? So it it probably kicked off with uh, PPP and CFAT money, helping fuel some of that. Commodity prices then kicked in. We're in this low interest rate environment. Things have continued. We kind of saw one top retrace a little bit, and it's kind of come back. Probably the other thing that's the most surprising that, that you still see that are headline grabbers is localized demand. Right? What is when is that often? How often does tracts of lands come up in certain areas? That really creates that localized demand in terms of proximity to existing operations. 
because the market is strong, has that changed the mix between people that are going to rent ground versus sell that ground? Is it made more enticing to sell it or not? You know, it certainly has made it more enticing to sell it. Some of the also the headlines that you see around, well, what was going to happen with stepped up in basis? What's going to happen from a capital gains rate? If that new that landowner had had a life event that they are inheriting that and they get that stepped up in basis now, you know, we see some folks that are really saying, hey, I want to do this, uh, or hey, we've been considering selling for a while, the market's high, if this cap gains rate changes, it's pushing them to cons- do some considerations of that. On the rent side, has it changed how people are renting? Are they locking in for several years or just one year because they think things are going to change dramatically? You know, we try to do most of ours on a, on a year-by-year basis. We don't change tenants, rarely change tenants, uh, and that's a landowner approval to do that. What we really see is that we go by year-by-year year to ride the market, right? So folks that tend to lock in at these higher rates, then we, we saw it coming out of that 13, 14 uh, some other ones, it wasn't with us, but with others, we see they locked in the rates and then they end up defaulting down the line when someone's counting on the income. We like to do it on, a, on an annual basis, year by year. We're seeing that even this year because of those rise up in fertilizer prices. You know, we were looking at, you know, potential 20 to 30% cash rate increases. Fertilizer jumped 75 to 100%, changes the entire dynamics. Now we're kind of back to a 0 to 15% type of range, isolated by area for where that's at. Well, you mentioned the higher input prices, of course, and but yet the resilience of this trend. So does the higher input prices and perhaps changes in tax law, state type of law, will that then buck this trend eventually? Or how do you see it playing out as we move to 2022? You know, that's the interesting part is we're seeing it currently buck the trend a little bit. It's how long is it going to continue to buck the trend, especially when you start seeing from the Federal Reserve talking about raising long-term interest rates in 2022 and beyond. So where does a rise in interest rates come? Where does the resiliency of a commodity market come? What do those adjustments come? And, and how does that change the supply of land, i.e. those that want to sell, compared to that to then uh, factor in for demand? So far, though, you haven't seen a big mix, though, in the people of what they're trying to do then? No, not necessarily. We, we've seen some push towards the end of this year a little bit just about what some things that were coming uh, to try to get it done. But we still see folks that are, that are in that consideration standpoint that they see it longer term, at least holding out for the next six months, right? So can we do something this winter or spring before planting season? What about the mix of buyers out there? Because land is strong and some farmers have more cash coming off some good years and even some payments, has it been more farmer buyers than investor buyers? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we would typically run 60 to 80% in a normal year of farmer buyers. We're, we're way above 80% in terms of buyers for that. We see institutional funds and investors more on the sidelines because we see you know more land going up for auction in this hot market than we do for the listing side of the equation. And so we still see some in individual investors uh, that are familiar with ag or have owned some ag land that they may still dive in a little bit, but it's still predominantly farmers buying. What about over on the hunting side? Because that's something you do, and that's always an interesting market. What have you seen over there? You know, certainly uh, when the pandemic kicked off and physical social distancing kicked in, uh, we saw demand and rise for hunting acres. We are seeing that continue in 2021 with rates uh, for hunting leases uh, types of situation. And so what we tell folks is, is, listen, if you got land that can be hunted, you aren't hunting it, you may or may not live by it. Um, it's probably getting hunted and you don't have the liability factor covered on it. And so we work with the landowners, we work with the tenants, we put together a package uh, with liability insurance coverage for all those hunters to be able to give them an opportunity. Creates value for that landowner from the cash rent side, gives them some protection along the way with it, keeps another set of eyes from a security standpoint at a different time of the year uh, on the property. 
Because you manage so many acres and work with so many producers, what types of things are you seeing out there or trends that you think are important for farmers, producers, or even investors to know? You know, certainly one of the things that's grabbing the headlines right now is the sustainability and specifically carbon, right? And where does the carbon payments come into play? You know, we're evaluating it across the board as a company. We don't think there's necessarily one program for us. In the, in the 29 states we serve, that's going to be a one-size-fits-all. We're going to work with landowners. We're going to work with those tenants. And we're going to look at what that is. But we also believe that the, that the, the payments that are being made are going to have to increase to be able to make some substantial change, uh, to be able to push with that. And so we're evaluating what that looks like and how that's all coming down the line. I suspect most of the folks you're working with are still very optimistic about uh, things as we move uh, into a new year. Absolutely still optimistic. Uh, really enjoying, I'll call it, the, the highs of this. Yes, there's been uh, a little coal in the stocking with some other things that have come about with input prices and some other things, but commodity prices are holding, trade's still going out from an export side of the equation, and so there's still a lot of optimism that's out there. Matt, I appreciate the time. Thank you. It will be interesting to see if tightening margins will slow down this land market. We've certainly seen strong prices across the board, and that looks to continue at this point into the new year. Next, I'll take you to news on how you can find substantial savings on a truck purchase. I've talked with Pat Driscoll, president and CEO of Certified Ag Dealers and AgPAC in the past, and each time we happen to cross paths, it seems like he's got even more ways folks can save money. We spoke before the calendar turned to 2022, so a few of the items he mentions that are coming up are actually already here. Pat will share the information, and in some cases, you do very little different from what you may already be doing in order to take advantage of the savings and earn some other great benefits as well. We began by simply explaining the program. Pat, certified ag dealer. Some people are very familiar, others aren't. So why don't we begin with what is that? In short, certified agriculture dealerships are truck dealers, and we work with the dealers of all six truck manufacturers, Ford, Chevy, GMC, Ram, Nissan, and Toyota. Uh, in order for a dealership to be a certified agriculture dealership, they have to put a minimum of three from the dealership, one each from sales, parts, and service through our proprietary training. We're farmers and ranchers. We develop training to help these dealers understand who we are as a customer. It takes them about four hours to go through that training. But what we know is that farmers and ranchers want a truck dealer that knows them as well as their tractor dealer or their seed or fertilizer dealer. That's what we create with the certified ag dealers within the truck industry. When you work with a certified ag dealer, then you get AgPAC. And, and AgPAC is a return on the truck investment. Just by working with a certified dealer, you're going to buy that truck anywhere. It's not a choice. you got to buy it. If you work with a certified agriculture dealer, you're going to get AgPAC. You may not use every AgPAC benefit, but you're going to use some combination the average farm and ranch customer is saving about $11,000 in operating expenses from those exclusive rebates and discounts from that truck purchase. So talk about AgPAC because there's a lot of different things there, and I'm sure people pick up, perk up their ears when they hear $11,000. So tell me about some of those benefits. Well, when you're talking $11,000 on a $50,000 truck, that's a 20% ROI. That's you, First of all, you've never been able to get an ROI on a truck purchase before. Now you can so AgPAC are, are these, these relationships that we've, that we've cultivated, and, and we're really proud. We've got a new AgPAC partner in the booth with us here, Mother Bins, which we haven't officially announced yet, so it's a little bit of a sneak peek. Uh, and uh, we'll be announcing them in January officially and what their, what their part of this is. But when you buy that truck from a certified agriculture dealer, again, the, the playing field is level, tr- dealer A, dealer B. Same incentives, uh, same same uh, dealer discounts and whatnot. We blow up the level playing field with AgPAC. 
So you're gonna you're gonna be getting exclusive rebates and discounts on Michelin tires, not just truck tires, but tractor tires, implement tires, uh, ATV, UTV tires, the whole line of Michelin product. That right there is worth almost five thousand dollars in tire savings to the farm, and we're blowing tires up all the time. We, we've got Sitco Petroleum and their Mystic Lubricant line. Now with Mother Bins, you're going to be you're going to get a discount uh, that you can't get anywhere else. These are all exclusive to this program. So that's what AgPack is all about: uh, is is getting discounts and rebates into farmers' hands where they can't get them anywhere else, just because they buy a truck from an ag dealer versus any other dealer out there, and they're all real. There, there's there's no gimmicks here. The biggest question we get from farm and ranch customers is, yeah, what's so what's the real deal? What's the fine print? There is no fine print. Buy the truck here, get all this money that you get to take off the bottom line of the farm. You've got new things coming down the pike, one of which is Ag Rally. Talk about that and other things uh, to look forward to. Oh, I'm telling you, Ag Rally, was, it was, so we, we launched it this year. It was kind of low-key, still touched a huge number of, of households. What Ag Rally is all about is it's a one-day national farm show that comes to life, literally, through hundreds of micro-farm shows that happen around the country simultaneously. And we do all of those through our certified agriculture dealers. So you get a national farm show right in your backyard. And the national part of it, we produce uh, a video. Uh, it's all live shots, and, and, and that gets fed out to all those micro events. So we do the product launches, the product updates, the technology, all the things you normally find at a national farm show. You get in the backyard, and those dealers then will put it up on a big screen, and they'll have ice cream socials, they'll have lunches, and all kinds of things built around uh, Ag Rally. So that's what Ag Rally is. It's, we call it the Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve for agriculture. The other thing we've got coming out January 1 uh, is going to be agtrucktrader.com. Uh, and and ag, you know, we've got our own dating website, right? And agriculture, why not have our own online truck marketplace? So agtrucktrader.com is going to come to life January 1. And uh, it's going to be an online truck marketplace just for agriculture, trucks and truck accessories. And the only dealers that are going to be allowed to put inventory on there are going to be the certified agriculture dealers. So you know you're working with that knowledgeable dealer when you look for trucks at agtrucktrader.com. But those, those are the big things that are coming. We've covered a lot of ground, so for folks that are wanting to know more, how's the best way to kind of recap and learn about some of this? CertifiedAgDealer.com is, is where, it, the, that's the hub of everything, that's where it all happens, but all of our announcements for, for Ag Rally, and Ag Rally in 22 is going to be on National Ag Day. So part of the live shots that we'll be putting out there, we'll have cameras in D.C. during the the, uh, the activities in D.C. Plus we'll have live cameras all over the country. But Ag Rally, AgTruckTrader.com, you'll find about all uh, find out about all of that through CertifiedAgDealer.com. Pat, I always appreciate the time. So do we. Thank you for being here. Again, that website is CertifiedAgDealer.com. And remember, those benefits are not just on new vehicles, but can apply to pre-owned trucks as well certainly worth the time to at least check out the website. As we head into 2022, I wanted to head to the crop side for a couple of interviews. We begin with Mac Marshall, who is Vice President of Market Intelligence for the U.S. Soybean Board and the U.S. Soybean Export Council. Soybeans set at relatively high prices compared to previous years, although input prices have also risen. So where do we stand as we head into a new year, and what can we expect for domestic and global soy demand, and how will those trends impact farmers here at home? Those were the questions we tackled in this interview. 
Mac, as we go out of 2021, head to 2022, just kind of give me the overall outlook of where we stand as far as soybean uh, inventory, because we've seen prices move higher. We remain at good prices. So where do we stand right now? Well, right now, uh, I think you know we're in a pretty favorable oper- uh, position in terms of price, certainly relative to where we've been historically over the last six, seven years. Um, this last year, I think, was a really a banner year for the soybean complex as a whole. We set a new record for exports, almost 62 million tons, um, record crush as well. So that demand piece is really, really critical. And it also played a critical role in drawing down what was, I think, a temporarily you know burdensome supply that we had domestically. So eating into that... Uh, uh, you know, really played a, a large role in getting prices back up and creating the market signals leading into 2022. Now, where we are for 2022, uh, just because prices are good is not to say that everything is rosy. Certainly our farmers are seeing a lot of margin compression this year on input costs, you know, um, fertilizer being chiefly among them. You know, like look at anhydrous prices. Um, I feel like I have a conversation every week and whatever price was in my mind before is already uh, <laughs> is already last week's news. Um, so, th- so I think that'll be a, a pretty considerable factor heading into 2022. You know, COVID certainly changed a lot of things, but in the U.S. we're still growing soybeans. How has the demand side changed or has it changed the supply side critically as well? What has happened in the last 18 months that perhaps we've never seen before? Sure. Well, first off, uh, on the supply side, I mean, we uh, produced, or rather our farmers produced a near record crop this year, uh, surpassed fractionally by the 2018 crop. And, uh, you know, that's not just on the strength of area. That's really on the strength of... Uh, I think sustainable, intensive production and really efficient production on a per acre basis. Now, flipping over to the uh, the demand side here, um, you know we've seen palpable demand both uh, in in terms of exports and and domestically. Now, crush. Uh, I think what's really exciting is we're seeing some more announcements about crush capacity expansion in different parts of the country in the last couple months, and a lot of that is predicated on uh, I think some very clear market signals that are calling for more and more oil to be produced here domestically. Now, traditionally, when you crush beans, you get 80% meal, rounding 80% meal and 20% oil. So on uh, uh, you know an aggregate value basis, meal has always carried uh, the enterprise value of the soybean and the crush at a ratio of about two-thirds to one-third. Now, as we've had a wave of announcements of new renewable diesel facilities and a lot of aggressive demand and bidding for feedstock from the energy space, we've seen oil uh, values, uh, I think, uh, appreciate. Now, part of that is also attributable to, you know, reduced oil seed supplies in many other parts of the world, you know, be it, you know, short crop in, you know, Canada with canola or, you know, um, limited harvest of palm oil in Southeast Asia. But back to the fundamentals of the U.S., as we're seeing this demand from the energy sector and we're seeing oil prices escalate, um, it's really upended what we've ha- the traditional logic of crush. And now we're seeing oil really be the driver. Now, with that in place, um, that's incented uh, more crush capacity to come online, which I think is really exciting. So we can have more oil flow into uh, that energy space, but also ensure that we're able to meet a lot of the newer uh, sources of demand as well, a lot of which are, uh, you know, enable through research and promotion that the the checkoff executes. 
As we move to 2022, has the change globally, how has that changed perhaps how we market or is it changed things forever? Is it temporary? How do you see things moving forward? Well, in any one year, um, and this is part of the reason uh, I'm staff and not a farmer, is that uh, farmers bear more risk and more um, you know, risk of disruption, I think, than any other industry. In the past few years, we've seen a number of disruptions, uh, certainly negative ones like the China trade war. But I think in any disruption, you also have to look for the opportunity. And one of the things that that really underscored was the need for continued market diversification. Now, I can talk about this most recently completed marketing year as an absolute banner year for exports, 61.7 million metric tons in whole beans. But no one individual uh, market, at least among our top 10 markets, set a record. We didn't set a record to China. We didn't set a record to the EU. We didn't set a record to Mexico, Egypt. The list goes on and on. So I think that the fact that our aggregate level, like our top line number, you know, really shattered our prior record from the 16-17 marketing year is testament to, you know, how much market diversification and, and how that strategy is really unfolding well. Because as we move those beans overseas, that obviously helps draw down inventories. It helps keep price supportive and helps, you know, contribute towards uh, overall farmer profitability. So I'd say there's a diversity diversification piece to it. And, um, you know, certainly coming out of COVID, um, that, that there's a lot of opportunity as well. There are still headwinds out there. There's still African swine fever in many parts of the world, which of course has been a headwind on demand. But, you know, um, I think the countries in, a, in which that has been particularly impactful are, you know, making a lot of the right steps uh, to build a more resilient system so that, you know, that sort of outbreak and the severity of it, um, you know, doesn't really impede and disrupt, uh, you know, markets and most importantly, food security going forward. Mac, I appreciate the time. This is a real pleasure. Thank you very much. We close out our broadcast with a new product coming to market that may just improve a very common item many of us use each year when we plant seed. Many of us use graphite or talc to put in our planters to help seed flow. But Verdesium is launching a new product that does that and much more. Joe Valancourt is the product manager for biostimulants at Verdesian. One of the things we recently discussed was the company's work with seed-applied nutrients. Joe will do a better job of providing that information, but we began by talking about the new product coming to market. Joe, tell me about the new product coming for Verdesian uh, Seed Plus Graphite. Uh, what is that? Absolutely. It is a talc and graphite replacement product with added agronomics. You get all the seed drying and lubricant qualities that you'd get in a talc and graphite product with a full biostimulant package and micronutrient package. That biostimulant does a couple of things. It really increases the efficiency of photosynthesis, and it also helps mitigate the effects of abiotic stressors like those early season cold snaps, heat, and even gets into salinity and, and drought stress as well. So a lot of us are familiar with putting that graphite in the box forever. I suppose you're going to tell me, though, this is not only going to help me do that, uh, what I used to get from that product, but a lot more. Absolutely. And you apply it the exact same way right where you would apply your talc and graphite. So if it's in the planter box, um, it's uh, uh, four ounces for soybeans and eight ounces uh, for corn per uh, 100 pounds of seed. And you, or if it's a box-to-box treater, you put it right in the talker, and, uh, and it'll meter out just like uh, talc and graphite would. So um, it's absolutely a, a nice new way to get those, those early season agronomics applied directly to the seed. So tell me about the early season agronomics. What types of results are you seeing by using the product? Absolutely. We're seeing a couple things going on. Uh, definitely some root and shoot 
uh, growth encouragement on both sides in corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton. We, we've seen it all, and we have time-lapse videos available on VLSCI.com uh, that really do a nice job of showcasing um, that early season vigor. Uh, and then you get into the biostimulant piece that, that really contributes to the stress mitigation, right? Um, what, uh, what we have is a kelp extract in there, and kelp is very... Uh, um, thrives in harsh environments. Uh, you know, if you think it's in a saline, a saline condition most of the time or baking out in the sun, we're able to extract that and, and put it in uh, seed plus technology and apply that right to the seed and you get those similar sort of uh, stress mitigation qualities because that kelp plant is just so naturally good at it. Well, getting that seed up and out of the ground early makes a big difference later on. Absolutely. And the micronutrient package in C plus graphite really helps with emergence and a nice even stand as well. So how do people learn more? Well, of course, you can go to www.vlsci.com or you can speak with a local retail. They can, of course, get with one of our salespeople and we're coast to coast. So we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Joe, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Privilege. That's it for this edition of our show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com, and you can get more info by following Farming the Countryside on Facebook. You can also follow our daily features, American Countryside, on many local radio stations and at americancountryside.com and American Countryside on Facebook as well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. Farm in the Countryside has been brought to you by the Top Producer Summit, coming up February 14th through 16th in Nashville. Learn more at tpsummit.com.